continuing the series on the caravels in Matthew 13. Um, and I've been asked to talk about the mustard seed, the parable of the mustard seed, which is found in Matthew 13, verses 31 to 32. And it says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Dave and Jeff, over the last couple of weeks, have spoken to us about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven being where God is, being where he rules and where he reigns, where God has a kingly dominion. It's a perfect kingdom ruled by a perfect God, and it accurately reflects that king. And all the attributes and all the characteristics you think of when you think about God are represented in that kingdom, which is just amazing. If you just stop and think all the holiness, all the righteousness, all the joy, all the peace, all the majesty, all the power. I could go on and on, couldn't I? It's just amazing what the kingdom of God is. It's a perfect kingdom. It's not of this world in any way at all. It's not earthly. Jesus in John 18 verse 36 says, my kingdom is not of this world. It is not of this world. And as Christians, the challenge is that we understand the realities of God's kingdom and then we live in the world through all of that, including all that God's kingdom entails, that we actually learn to bring heaven to earth where we live as we live out our daily life. It means it's a radical change of lifestyle and approach to everything that we do. It begins within our heart and within our mind, but it impacts how we live everything, every single thing that we do. It's a very different emphasis. For me, it demands that I constantly rethink, constantly readjust, trying to make sure that I'm aligned with God's kingdom rather than the kingdoms that I might think about that surround us on earth. And if we manage to do that, we have the potential and the resource to extend the kingdom of God into every single place that we go, every situation and circumstance, that we're involved in and every relationship or contact that we have. It's an exciting and fulfilling way to live. It is the most exciting and fulfilling way to live. It means that there's challenge along the way. There's challenge to us as we go through the journey, but it's what we're called to do. It's how we are purposed to live. It's what we are destined for. This kingdom of God is external and internal for us. God has an everlasting kingdom. He is an everlasting God. He is an eternal God, and his kingdom is the same. And there's lots of examples in scripture that talk about that. For example, in Psalm 145, it talks about his kingdom being an everlasting kingdom. But to extend the kingdom on earth, his kingdom comes into us, is planted in us, if you like, by his spirit, and then we're commissioned to be involved. Matthew 28, 19, very well-known verse. Go, make disciples of all nations. We sometimes say or imply 
that he relies on us, that he chooses to use our hands and feet. And it's true, but we need to be careful because the rule and extension of God's kingdom is not going to be thwarted by us maybe not quite playing our part right. God has said and stated that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's found in Habakkuk 2 verse 14. And we know that what God says will be accomplished. Isaiah 55:11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. We are invited into this process to follow the Spirit's leading, leading to play our part. We are really the most privileged of people. So we come to this parable and it starts off and it talks about a man who takes and plants a seed. It's a deliberate, purposeful act. He plants seed. It's not scattered as you find in some of the other parables, but it's planted. There is nothing accidental in the kingdom of God. There is nothing casual about the kingdom of God. There is nothing informal about the kingdom of God. It's deliberate. It speaks of certainty and security. And what the man plants in this parable is a seed. I did some research on seeds to find out what seeds are like. And I was really interested to find out that a seed biologically is described as having three distinct separate parts. And quite often uh, in the Bible, three is a number, speaks of resurrection life. It speaks of harmony. It speaks of completeness. So in this image of this seed, um, there's an aspect of it that is about the kingdom. One aspect is that it's a young embryo plant. It's literally what the thing will develop into as it matures in tiny seed form. There is an endosperm, which apparently <laughs> is the nutrition that the seed in its seed form uses until it can be planted and grow somewhere that's suitable, it nourishes the seed. And then there's the coat, the protective covering or the exterior. So as a seed, the young embryo contains all the promise and all the potential for the full growth with a mature plant, a true variety growing exactly as it's designed to grow. And the kingdom of God is exactly the same. As it goes forth, as it grows, as it develops, it comes into being exactly as it's intended to be. The nutrition for me speaks of resource and health, and heaven is fully resourced, it's fully healthy, and we can access everything that is stored in heaven, everything that is in the kingdom of God, that is our resource, if we learn to see it and if we learn to use it and apply it. And the coat speaks of protection, an impenetrable shell that is secure and safe. And again, it's offered to us to live in the protection, in that safety. But as you read on, you find that it's not just any seed that this man takes and plants. It is the smallest seed. It's the tiniest seed. I didn't bring a mustard seed because you wouldn't be able to see it. But if you think of the smallest seed you possibly can and then half it, then maybe you start to get a bit near. But it's really important that we never equate small as insignificant. That is completely different. 
being small does not mean something is insignificant. Something very small in the parable grows into something very, very large. And small into powerful, or small into having an impact, or small into great, is a theme in the kingdom of God. It resonates throughout the Bible. And often the things that we might naturally consider um, small have a really large impact. We incorrectly view some of the things that we look at when they're in God's hand, something completely different happens. So just for some examples, God spoke in Exodus, uh, sorry, Genesis 1, and the earth and the world were created. He spoke. I know for me, I use words all day, all day long. Uh, Mike will tell you, I use words all day long. Um, and I know that sometimes those words that I use, I don't use correctly. Words we know have a creative power. But sometimes what comes out of my mouth isn't the best. It can be negative. It can be hurtful. It can be harmful. But God spoke and this amazing world was created. In Exodus 14, Moses raises a staff and a sea parts. A man stands there with a stick and this sea parts. In Exodus 17, Moses raises his arms and a battle is won. There's the obvious example of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. And then we come to Jesus. Jesus, who is born to a virgin, to an unmarried mother, in a stable, in what would seem an insignificant place in the world. And he dies on a cross. And you could look at that in one set of time and space. But because it's God's purpose and it's following God's kingdom, he saves an entire mankind, the whole world throughout history. If you look at early church, there's a, a small band of people, some of whom are petrified, and yet they go out and they take the gospel across the world. The common factor in all of it is that it involves God. It's his purposes, it's his influence, it's his kingdom. And we need to always appreciate that small is not insignificant. Great things can start from small beginnings. I couldn't really stand here and talk to you about mustard seed without talking about the other mention, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. And it's another example of how something tiny can move something large. And it's interesting, and I haven't got time to go down this, but in Luke 17, verse 6, it actually talks about a mulberry tree being uprooted by faith as small as a mustard seed. And it's fascinating that that's talking about a tree. The mustard seed grows into the greatest of all plants. It grows into a tree. And having faith as small as a mustard tree uproots other trees, uproots other kingdoms, if you like. When you look at God's creation, it's clear to see again. In the food chain, there are these tiny little microorganisms that scientists are concerned about because as the sea temperature rises, they can be damaged, they can be killed off, and they know that there's an impact then all the way up through the food chain, all the way up through all the different animals, all the different species. We know it locally because of things like bees, the importance of pollinators, something that we could view as insignificant, but actually it's just that it's small. If something happens to those, it resonates through the whole world. Which brings me to us, 
And the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are formed before the creation of the world. It's vitally important that we understand this because it gives focus, meaning and value to everything that he asks us to do. Nothing about God is insignificant. Nothing about his kingdom, his purposes, his plans, his creation is insignificant. Yes, I may be small, but that's very, very different. I may look and think my life is such a tiny speck in the whole history of the world, across history and time, and yet God has a significant part for me to play if I choose to grasp it. So we don't just have a man who has a seed that he chooses to plant. It's not just the smallest of all seeds, but it grows into the greatest of plants, the greatest of kingdoms, both in size and in style. If you think what the kingdom of God is like, the way it's perfect and it's holy and it's wholesome, it's a huge, huge kingdom. And there's an importance of scale. God is passionately interested in everything however seemingly large or small. And our appreciation and view needs to be the same. We need to understand the larger picture of what the kingdom is like as it enables us to be more effectively involved of where we are. So, here we go. This is, oh, how am I going to do this? This, <laughs> this is a map that we have hanging up at home, partly because my geography is so bad. So this is a map of the world. This is a picture, if you like, of the kingdom of earth is going to spread across the world. And this is us somewhere in here. And it's very hard, if you look at it from this perspective, to work out where I am in here. But as you'll be well aware, if you work your way down the scale of maps, um, we don't tend to travel far, so I haven't got a map of Europe or something like that. But the next thing I've got is a map that includes Southport or Harbold or Skem or Ormskirk or wherever you are based. So I can then get a better idea of Southport, where Southport is, what Southport looks about. Still not great if I'm trying to find my road. There's no names or anything on here. Go down again. This is a street map hopefully won't fall to pieces. So now I can start to actually find where I live, where my road is, where my house is. But I can go smaller than that again, because with the deeds on our house, we have a land registry plan, and this is our house. <laughs> you can be um, forgiven for thinking that this is the only piece of the world that I really have an impact on. I can choose what to grow, I can choose what to put in my garden, I can choose how to decorate, I can knock walls down, I can put walls up. You might think you can't physically reach very far when you start to look at this. We can vote, as we have done recently. We could raise money and support a charity that reaches out somewhere here. But another wonderful aspect of the kingdom of God is it has no geographical barrier. There's nothing in the way of me touching here. If I sit at home and I pray for the situation in Belarus or in the Philippines or India 
or Cuba or London or Liverpool, by my prayer, I expect something to happen. I expect something to change because that's what God's word promises. If somebody is unwell next door, if they are unwell in America, I can pray. And that distance makes no difference. God can move through me praying across the world. No boundaries, no customs, no hierarchy stand in the way. And the more we learn to develop and focus on the large scale of the kingdom, the more we come to understand and realise what we're involved in and the part that we can play, the more effective we can be. The parable goes on and this large garden plant grows into a tree. We understand with trees that they are rooted. If they are a healthy tree, it is strong rooted. And the same is the kingdom of God. It is strong rooted. It is immovable. It is uh, firmly rooted. Trees continually grow, even in the seasons when they don't seem to change on the outside. Stuff apparently goes on in the inside. Trees continually grow and God's kingdom will continue to grow. God's kingdom is wide reaching. The tree um, that they talk about in the parable has quite a stumpy trunk, if you like, quite a short trunk. But the canopy is amazing. It's this massive canopy full of tiny leaves, really densely packed together. And God's kingdom spreads wide. It spreads across the earth. The uh, tree contains nourishment. There are flowers, seed pods, fruit. And again, when we come into God's kingdom, we think about the kingdom of God. It is nourishing. It is fruitful. It provides um, food. When you start looking at mustard seed, the theory is that the mustard plant that I would think of isn't the mustard plant that's referred to in the parable. It's not the thing that grows to six foot high covered in yellow flowers. It's the black mustard, which grows in hot, humid climates in well-draining soil, and it produces exactly this canopy that birds can nest in, birds can roost in. It's strong enough to support. It's fast growing, it has reliable germination, it has abundance of seed, it's attractive to birds, and the kingdom of God actively develops. It's designed to grow, full of potential and promise, full of life, and it attracts life. And as it talks about in the parable, it grows to such an extent, its wide canopy supports birds of the air. But this is a picture of the all-inclusive nature of the kingdom of God for those who choose to come to God through Jesus to find rest, to find nourishment. It was important in Jesus' time because um, it stresses that the kingdom of God is available to Gentiles as well as Jews. It's available to men and to women. It's available to the old and the young, different cultures, different nationalities, different social classes. But we have to accept that Jesus is Lord and Saviour. In John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We point the way to this amazing kingdom of God. We're invited into this all-inclusive kingdom of God and we are challenged in the way that we view each individual person, that our view is the same as God's, that we see the value and the importance in every single person that we come across. 
John 3 verse 3 says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Psalm 91 verse 1, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It includes you. It includes the people out there who come to God through Jesus. And just while I was reading my notes through this morning, I felt it really important to say that if you are listening, you are a Christian, but you are weary and you feel burdened, you just need to come back to the kingdom of God. You just need to focus again on Jesus. You just need to um, enter back into his presence and allow him to take that weariness, to take those burdens away. So there's this grand, ever-increasing scale of the kingdom, this amazing, perfect kingdom, and our small but not insignificant part. And somehow we have to keep both of those in balance rather than focusing on one or the other. If we just see the vastness and the power and the majesty and the awesomeness of the kingdom of God, and we don't understand who we are as a Christian, our part that we play, the danger is that you do start to feel insignificant. You start to think, well, who am I in this amazing kingdom of God? On the opposite side, if you start to focus just on you and your part, and you don't understand or start to understand even a tiny piece of what the kingdom of God is like and how it operates, the danger then is we're not as effective as God has called us to be. We're the most effective when we understand who we are and we understand where we are in the kingdom of God. I didn't have time to grow you a portable tree. I do apologise. I didn't have a tree that I could bring in. Um, so now don't worry about this. I was going to do this to this plant anyway, so don't panic. But this is a bamboo tree and this is my last bit really as an illustration of what I'm trying to talk about. While you are sitting there, wherever you are, pick part of the plant. doesn't matter where it is. You might pick a leaf or a stem or one of the curly bits, but just pick where you are. And then think about the, the leaf or the stem and hone in and imagine that you're a tiny, tiny speck in the leaf or in the stem. And then go in even more and then go in even more again. So this is an analogy of what the kingdom of God is like. It grows from a strong, firm root and it branches out and it goes um, across the world. If you focus just on the plant itself and you start to work out where you might fit, you could understand where you might start to feel insignificant. In the same way, If you look just at the little bit that involves you, or maybe our church family, or maybe our town, or our related churches, and you just focus on this, you miss all that there is, all that you are interconnected into, all that you can have influence and the resources and the impact that you can have. So often, as it so often is, it comes back to how you view things. It comes back to what you choose to see. It comes back to your perspective. 
But God wants us to have an, a perspective that we understand how vast the kingdom of God is, but we also understand we have a very important part to play. However small, we are not insignificant. The musicians are going to come back up in a moment and we are going to sing. But I wanted you to have time just to reflect that if you feel overwhelmed because of the size of the kingdom of God and you don't see where you are within that, just allow God to come and remind you who you are. If you have been focused so much on your part, I believe God wants to expand our vision this morning to give us a new understanding of who we are um, in his great plan, in his scheme of things. And as I said before, if you feel weary or burdened, or if there's anything going on in your life where you know that if you come to God, you come to Jesus, we know that he will step in. We know that we can draw close again. I'd invite you just to draw close once more. Mm -hmm.